We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. We're breaking down the Kareem Hunt situation, discussing the Mike McCarthy firing and getting ready for the fantasy playoffs on Roto-Viz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. And Matt, it is a very helpless feeling when you are in a close matchup. You have Patrick Mahomes going against Travis Kelsey, who your opponent has, and it seems like every time something positive happens for the Chiefs, it's, it's Travis Kelsey being the beneficiary. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I've never had that problem. I uh, own Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just joking. So, uh, no, so yeah, it sounds like. Oh, I mean, yeah, those are always subpar situations where you have the quarterback throwing to the receiver on the other team, and you just, yeah, you you lose. One of my worst beats of all time was uh you will probably remember this as a Patriots yep. fan. Yep. Uh I had Brady. This was in 2011. I had Brady. My opponent had Gronk. And this was the game where Brady threw like three touchdowns to Gronk, although one of them was technically ruled a lateral, so that ended up being a rushing touchdown by Gronk. And I <laughs> and that was the margin by which I ended up losing because that touchdown was taken away from Brady. Oh my goodness. Yeah, actually I do remember that. That sounds awful. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. All right. Years ago so, and I still carry that with me. Yeah, no, I mean that that's what will happen in, in situations like this. Um, but let's turn our attention towards the Kareem Hunt situation. Obviously, everyone knows at this point that video surfaced of Kareem Hunt um at a hotel. Uh, I forget the location, but basically uh involved in a domestic violence situation. Uh, the chiefs have now cut him. Nobody picked him up off of waivers. I believe it's a six game suspension. The league is looking into further action relating to another incident. Um, 
I guess the first question I want to ask you just without going too far into this is um, what what does it look like people are thinking of the optics of the situation with the league at this point that it took this long for uh, the investigation to happen and the suspension to come down? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I really don't know. Um, I mean, I think part of it is like uh, the league should just hire TMZ to be like their uh, investigatory unit um, because like TMZ was able to get uh, this video when apparently the league uh, and or the chiefs could not or would not. So uh, it's I don't think that's particularly uh, good optics. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that like it, it took so long for this to surface, um, it, the league doesn't look good. This is and like things like this have been kind of like the uh, like the I, mean, I'm, I was going to say anyway, I'm trying to think of the right way of that's phrasing fine. this. But like it's just this has been a lingering issue for the league for a long time. Um, and just when it seems like the league can get out of its own way. Uh, something like this pops up again. So it's just, it, I mean, it's unfortunate for like a variety of reasons. Um, it just makes it, I think all the harder to like be a fan of the league when stuff like this pops up. Yeah, it really does. And, um, if you listen to some of the player reactions too, like the Travis Kelsey interview after the game where he was talking about, I thought was very, very bizarre. Um, but we won't go too far down that path. Um, as I think, you know, we, and most of the people listening are probably in the same camp on this, but, um, in terms of where in the rest of his career, I'm assuming we're going to see him surface again. If you had to take a ballpark figure, how, how long do you think it will be before we see him getting picked up by another team? Um, next year. I mean, I think it, like his suspension will probably be, I don't know. I mean, anywhere from like, I mean, this is a wide range, but like anywhere from like six weeks to like a, a whole season or like even yeah. like uh, the remaining part of the season and like all or most of next season. Um, but I, I think at some point in 2019, he'll play. And if not 2019, I think definitely by 2020. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, and the one interesting thing that I've been thinking about is let's say this had been a player. Well, actually, I guess we have the perfect example. Let's say it was Patrick Mahomes. At this point in the NFL, do you think that Mahomes would have been cut by the Chiefs if it were him? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so, actually. Um, I think like Kareem Hunt is important enough to the organization where it's either kind of like a, like a binary, like yes or no. Like there's a threshold. And so like beyond that threshold – um, a pl- like a player, either he is important enough or isn't important enough to the organization. And I think like you're past that threshold. Like this is the guy who led the league in rushing last year as a rookie. Um, I think this season he even led the league, uh, among all running backs in receiving touchdowns. Like he's an important part of their offense. So I think if they cut him, I think they would cut anyone on their team. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, so I guess at least in that regard, you know, this is some progress that at least we're seeing in somewhat of the culture in the league, be it, uh, you know, happening because of the public opinion that would be out there, the optics, like we said, the PR, what have you. I guess at least that's a step in the right direction to some degree. Uh, but let's let's take this back to the football. So uh, Spencer Ware fills in now with the lead running back duties yesterday, 14 attempts, 47 yards, one touchdown, one target. One reception for five yards. They also are bringing back Sharkandrick West, who had some success a couple seasons back with them. From a fantasy perspective, um, obviously, we're not expecting Ware to be a one-for-one replacement of Hunt in any way. But given what we saw yesterday, uh, how potent of an offense this team has through the air and so much talent elsewhere, what are you seeing uh, kind of as the weekly average for where do you think what we saw yesterday is kind of what it's going to be? Is there more potential, less potential? Um, you know, this might change a little bit with Sharkandrick West, but, uh, Spencer Ware I think is pretty decent. I think like it will be basically Kareem hunt, um, you know, times 0.8 or something like that. Like, yeah. but, but something pretty close to what you would have expected out of Kareem hunt, I think is what you're going to get out of, uh, out of where, except I think it's just going to be, he will get a little, he might be a little less efficient as a runner and he might get uh, fewer targets per game, but he's still, I think he's very good in the passing game. Um, but I think he will probably just be relied upon a little bit less. 
Definitely. And if we think back to the beginning of last season um, and what people were saying about where, you know, where had been good enough before, there were a lot of people that was expecting him to hold on to that job and that Hunt would really have to work to take him over. Then there was the industry, the, excuse me, the injury, which really changed everything. But yeah, I'm with you. I think where is actually pretty decent. I don't think that he is going to have such a significant uh, decrease in opportunity compared to what Hunt had that we're going to see this have a major impact on other players on the team. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm there with you in that regard. I mean, here's, um, here's one way of yep. thinking about this. This is a guy who had uh, almost a hundred scrimmage yards per game in 2016 when uh, the team was just kind of finding its way into uh, like the Tyreek Hill era and when it still had Alex Smith at quarterback. Um, if you assume that he has roughly the same ability he had then, but now he's in an offense that's led by Mahomes and has like fully functional Tyreek Hill, uh, he should be, I think, much more productive. So like, I th- and he had only five touchdowns that year. Like you can pencil him in for more. So like, I think he's, I don't know, he's a potential league winner. You know what I mean? Like whoever grabbed him yep. on, on waivers yep. on Friday or happened to have him on their bench. Like he's a guy who could change the way that the fantasy playoffs play out. Of course. And, and the other interesting thing about this too, is it's not even that he is Kareem Hunt's backup on this ridiculous offense. It's that there's a player at this point in the season coming into the fold with a completely unforeseen circumstance, because this is different than an injury where maybe the guy in front had been a little banged up. You could kind of see this coming. This came out of nowhere. I'm actually trying to think of an analogous situation of a player all of a sudden just, you know, getting removed from the season like the week or two weeks before your league's fantasy playoffs. I can't think of a good comparison. Yeah, it, it almost never happens. Yeah, so this is this is um, along with the Le'Veon Bell holdout. Just two interest, uh, two interesting asterisks we're gonna have at the end of the of the season when we're reflecting on the running backs. So that is the Chiefs moving along to the Green Bay Packers, who now uh, find themselves in a forward-looking situation. They finally give the axe to Mike McCarthy. I think this is something that a lot of people have been waiting to happen, uh, and it finally came to fruition. So as far as the fantasy playoffs go and the rest of the fantasy season goes, do you think this dramatically changes how you're perceiving the players in the team's offense? Or uh, you know, is this just kind of something that we're not really going to see any impact of until maybe next season? It's Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think... We're not going to see much difference, although I imagine um, with Philbin as the the interim play caller uh, or. Yeah, I mean, so he was offensive coordinator like he knows why McCarthy got fired. McCarthy got fired for being too conservative in his play calling. So I think with him knowing that he would maybe be a little ballsier Uh, and also like as a former head coach who like now has the opportunity maybe like if he does a good job over these next like five weeks, like it's not as if he's going to like be a head coach next year, but like that could be a, that could be something he really builds upon to get hired in the future as a head coach. So like I could see him just being like, like fuck it. Like we're going, we're going for it on fourth down. You know, like I have a great quarterback. We have nothing to lose at this point. We're going for it on fourth down, like being as aggressive as they can. So maybe they go that way, but probably not. Probably just a little bit that direction. Uh, So I think they're basically just the same as they have been uh, with maybe just a little bit more of an edge. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think if anything, um, if this is going to slant things in one direction, it's actually going to be to the better for the players in the offense because you have a situation now where you have a coach that has a much longer leash than he would otherwise because, you know, he's in there just to close out the season. Why not really let things loose uh, and, and just go aggressive because you don't have too much to lose and you definitely have some to gain. So if I'm an owner of any of these Packer players, I'm not overreacting to this or getting too worried. If anything, I might view this as a uh, potential boost to the production I could expect. Any other thoughts on the Packers before we move along? No, not really. Um, 
on Twitter, I thought uh, Troy Aikman had some kind of like interesting things to say, sort of <laughs> like about uh, Mike McCarthy. Uh, he thought he deserved better than to be fired midseason. Uh, I don't know if that's really true. Um, and actually, like it might be better for him to be fired in the middle of the season because then he can maybe start looking a little bit more um, at job situations. But uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Unfortunately, I think that what we're seeing is lots of times the right decision is the one that is easy to look at as, you know, kind of like catalyst or not um, being appreciative or showing gratitude. But if you're running the organization uh, and I think it's more important that you don't kind of alienate your players by not being loyal to perhaps a player that had been there for a long time and, you know, kind of kicking them as they walk out the door, so to speak. But like with a coach, I think it's a move that this is definitely going to put the team a little bit ahead of the curve if, if they had waited to fire him once the season was over. So you, know, you can already start planning, uh, as I'm sure it's hard for us to really even consider all of the steps that they're going to have to go through in replacing him and in getting that team moving forward. Uh, so bringing up Aikman, that makes me uh, wonder about something here, Matt. We have not had a chance to talk about this yet because normally we're doing these during the Monday night game and I forget to ask, but how bad is the announcing on Monday night? Oh, it's horrible. Um, it's practically yeah. unwatchable. Yeah, it's it is. It's practically unwatchable. Um, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, it would be better to watch it on mute uh, and like have, I don't know, music going in the background or just, some, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it would actually be better if you gave me a soundboard of like Tony Romo and I just got to hit like certain like quotes or like really any other analyst. They took it's it's nuts. It's like they thought just because Wooden had played on the Cowboys and Aikman's been all right and Romo's been pretty good that you could just grab any Cowboy and put them into it, it, without any practice for Wooden. It's it's insane. And then like I, the Booger Mobile thing is stupid. Like there's really no insight on it whatsoever. You and I could do a better job. I would hope so, but probably not. But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and then you brought up Aikman. Do you like Aikman and Joe Buck? No, I mean, I, I love Aikman as the guy who led the Cowboys to three Super Bowls. Um, and like, I don't think he's the worst announcer. Like my mom loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I feel like he's someone, uh, that people who don't know football would really like. So, yeah. <laughs> so does your mom watch a lot of football then? Yeah, she actually does. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which I think, I think is pretty funny. You know, that is. Is is your yeah. dad into sports? No. <laughs> no. Okay. See, mine isn't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It, what did he think of your life decision when you went into this this field? Uh, I don't think he really cares. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it's just like whatever. Can Can you make money doing it? Okay. Whatever. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll take this back to to fantasy football now. Um, what we're going to do here is we're going to do a little confidence level meter type of game. So I'm going to list the Y or excuse me, we'll start off with the running backs, running backs that in the last eight games ranked 20 through 30th on a points per game basis, because I think these are the type of guys that those teams that are going to be in the playoffs or hopefully playing for their spot to get into the playoffs this week are going to be unsure of how much they should trust them. So on a scale from one to 10, with you having no confidence and 10 being you feeling extremely confident, I'm going to ask you to give me a number for these players. You with me there? Sure. Okay. TJ Yeldon averaging 13.2 points over the last eight games. Obviously Fournette is supposed to be back from the suspension this week. Uh, I have no confidence in him. So I'll, I'll put it at like a one. Like, I mean, I have confidence that he will be able to get a minimal number of fantasy points each game, but that number isn't going to be enough to make a difference. So I, I have no confidence in his ability to win a championship for me. Yep. I, I'm with you there. Chris Carson. Mm, five. Like, I think he has a, a pretty high floor in that he's in a good offense and he's the lead back in the offense. And it's like the, the most run heavy scheme in the league. So yeah, I like, I think he has a high floor. Right. I don't think you're excited about playing Carson, but it's not like you're you're super worried. I'm assuming that he, there's a very good chance he at least is the flex in your lineup. Yeah. Mark Ingram, 12.9 points uh, over the last eight games. Six. Like he has he has uh, a high ceiling and that like in any game he has the capacity to score two touchdowns. But uh, that's going to be punctuated by a lot of games where he has only like six fantasy points. 
Yeah, that he's probably one of the toughest names to figure out to do with. But I think the confidence is around a six because if it looks like the type of game that could be good for Ingram, you're probably going to feel pretty good about putting him in there. Yeah. Sony Michelle, 12 and a half points over the last eight games. Mm, like seven or eight. Like I think he has a, a pretty high floor uh, and also a, a pretty decent ceiling because of the offense he's attached to. And uh, he has a like a locked in role. Okay. Um, I guess the counter or, or somebody that's not with you on that would say, what about now Rex Burkhead being there adding into the mix with James White? And we've also seen Cordero Patterson get a couple of attempts uh, in, in some of these games. Does that take away too much of the opportunity yet you still feel good? Yeah, I think he's still locked in for like at least 15 touches per game. Yeah, I'm just kind of bringing that up to bring it up. I actually think that if you have Michelle like... um. That shouldn't really shift. It shouldn't shift you too much. I do think it's possible Burkhead in one of these games gets featured. Um, but I think he's still a much better option to have because of the offense that he plays in than a lot of these players that are out there. So Tevin Coleman struggled over the weekend, but still he's on a team that has had a good offense. They've had a couple of big games. Coleman, where are you on him? 12.4 points over the last eight. Uh, I mean, I, I want nothing to do with him. Um, I mean, three is, this is really disappointing. He, I think he had a, like a clear opportunity to be the lead back and Ito Smith has just taken too much opportunity. And then the offense that Falcons offense is really underperformed over the last month. Absolutely. And this is something that we kind of saw coming because their beginning schedule was very, very favorable and then it was going to get harder. But I, this is such a disappointment for me because I think that I had a lot of teams and I'm sure Rotoviz readers and listeners did where if Coleman had worked out for you, he was going to complete that zero running back puzzle and your team yeah. is probably going to crush it. If he just could have been like a even low end RB one, high end RB two. Yeah. Peyton Barber, 11.7 points over the last eight games. Uh, yeah, I, I would say this might be weird, but like eight. Like, cause he's really locked in to his role. Like for the last year, like since week 13 of last year, uh, he's been locked in as the lead back. Um, he's getting, you know, like 16 plus opportunities on a pretty regular basis. Um, at this point now he's starting to find the end zone a little bit more. Like I feel pretty confident in his role in that defense. Sorry. Uh, the offense that he's with is pretty good. Um, and their defense is so bad that it requires high scoring games. So like, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty decent situation for him. Probably a, a touch higher than I'd go, but I, I get the reasoning. Uh, Adrian Peterson, we're recording this Monday, so we don't know how things are going to bear out against the Eagles tonight, uh, has had a couple of down games. I think he was stronger than the beginning of the year, averaging 11.6 per games over the last eight with around 16 attempts and two targets. Yeah, I mean, I'll say five. Um, I don't think the Redskins are going to be favored in any games. And like he's a very game script dependent back. Yeah. And, and if Chris Thompson does come back and is healthy enough to be a significant factor, obviously they have Bibbs as well. Yeah. That does not bode well for him. Latavius Murray, uh, Dalvin Cook is back. So it, it, I'm assuming that one has to temper the expectations on Murray significantly as we've as we've seen. Yeah, I'd say like a three. Yeah, I think you're only playing Murray if you're in a really tough spot. Yeah. Isaiah Crowell, 11.3 points per game over the last eight. Mm, I'd say like five or six. Like he, he always has the possibility of getting touches, but um, I mean, you don't really want to have to start anyone who's associated with the Jets. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Um, Alex Collins was 29, but obviously yeah. um, we need to remove him from the list. So I will substitute in Gus Edwards. Uh, yeah, Gus is interesting. Uh, I'll put him around like a six or a seven. Um, like I think he's pretty locked into his role. So I think you can you can project him with a decent amount of certainty. The problem is, is just like his his upside is totally reliant on scoring short touchdowns because he's not going to be used in the passing game at all. So like that really limits his upside. For sure. Matt Breida. Mm, oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Breed is tough because like it's really tough. Yeah, there are like those points where he seems like he's injured and you don't start him and then he goes off for like 100 yards and then he seems fine and you start him and uh, he plays like 
five snaps. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think if you're in a really desperate situation uh, and you're just looking to start the most talented people, like he's talented and you just maybe have to hope that he plays. So, I don't know. I'll say like seven if you're just looking for talent, but like three if you're looking to be able to predict what will actually happen. That's funny. I was just like, I think in my mind, I kind of went through the same process, split the difference and was going to go with five. Um, so it sounds like we're kind of in the same camp there. Uh, that takes us through the running backs. Uh, we're going to get to wide receivers, but first we want to remind you that watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. You've heard us talking about this for weeks and some of you are still on the sidelines, whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. You can bet a little and win a lot. Get in on those big parlays. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. For example, there's so much to bet on. We now have college basketball. You have NFL. You're going to have the playoffs. NHL, NBA. There's custom props. There's even esports, which I don't know that much about. But I have to feel like that actually could get very interesting as well. My bookie is the one bet that we know you'll be happy with all year. We recommend them because we trust them. They've been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention in DM, not to mention that they've given away more than 10 grand in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use the promo code ROTOVIZ to get 50% off your deposit bonus. That's promo code ROTOVIZ radio. You play, you win, you get paid. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 29 to 92 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Talking about betting here, what did you think of the payout preemptively to Alabama that FanDuel did? Uh, I'm not familiar with this. What? So FanDuel, uh, their sports book, you know, aspect of the company paid out people that had taken the uh, prop at the beginning of the season for Alabama to win the national championship. They paid it out before oh, the right. SEC championship right, game right, right, even right. took place. Yes. Uh, ridiculous. I don't know why they would do that. It's it's really, really bizarre. Like I was trying to search for any reason it would make sense, but I, I could not come up with one. So it sounds like you don't have any theory on that no, either. No, 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 that's right. I, yeah, 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 I remember reading about this. Uh no, it's it's so it's so I don't understand it. I, I don't know anything about it. I don't understand why they would do it. Yeah. Do you watch a lot of college football or, or do you follow college yeah, yeah, closely? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um real quick, any chance that Alabama does not win the national championship? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a chance, uh, Clemson is good like that. That could, yeah, I mean, Clemson, Clemson could win. Yeah. I, I actually don't think it's a foregone conclusion that much if they end up facing off against Clemson, I, mean, I think that Clemson could do it. Yeah. Georgia almost beat them. Like, yeah. you know, they are, they are not invincible. Like they, they can be beaten. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Okay. So we'll get back to the, Fantasy wide receivers ranked between 20 and 30. We'll get Matt's confidence for the rest of the season. Adam Humphreys, 15.2 points per game over the last 
uh, actually, I, I ran these six weeks for the receivers as I felt like yeah. there was a couple of guys in here where, where the situations have significantly changed. So I wanted to go six weeks. So Adam Humphreys. Man, I'm I'm surprised that he's ranking this high just because I, I tend not to think of him as being that talented. But he's had like a pretty high target floor uh, and they've been giving him the ball near the end zone recently. So uh, I think like what we've seen out of him is what we're basically going to see out of him for the next three weeks. Like I'd, I'd say like a seven or an eight. I think you have to put it there. Seven targets per game over the last six. Like you said, there's been quality looks he's converting a pretty high percentage too it seems like Jameis likes him I'm there you have Humphreys at this point hopefully you did go out get him off the waiver wire now you're playing him every week Amari Cooper the new cowboy 14.7 points per game I'm really interested to see where your confidence level is on him uh I'll say seven um I mean they give him a lot of targets I don't I don't know that he's going to have the opportunity to score a lot of touchdowns. But, um, and I like, he's not also doing a lot in terms of, uh, yardage, like on a consistent basis with his targets, but uh, he's getting the targets. So I think that's going to continue pretty clearly. So I'll say seven. Yeah. And I think that with the change in teams, you're feeling a lot more confident in him now than you would have if he was still in Oakland. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a monster catch yesterday. He's at 14.4 points per game over the last six, only four targets though, which I think could be a little bit concerning for Lockett owners. Me personally, that doesn't really worry me too much. Yeah, it, it does kind of worry me. Um, like he had only two targets yesterday. Now, obviously one of them was a 52 yard touchdown and he also had uh, a carry and he's gotten a carry actually like over the last it was like eight weeks, he has eight carries. Like, I mean, he's getting like, that's something, you know, that's like Tyreek Hill type yep. of territory. So like he's, you know, he's getting something in the running game and, you know, maybe at one point, one of those turns into a touchdown. Um, and he is like, prolifically scoring touchdowns this year on like a a per target basis. Uh, And Russell Wilson uh, is one of the league leaders. I believe he's maybe number two at this point uh, in end zone targets. Like he's giving his guys high leverage targets. So that does give them a greater opportunity on a per target basis to get touchdowns. But still like uh, he hasn't had uh, more than six targets over the last like two months. Like that's, that's troubling. So Uh, I don't know, like I'd say like a five. Okay. And that's a fair point on the touchdowns. He's actually at 0.8 touchdowns per game, which is easily the, the highest number of any of the receivers we're going to talk about here. Brandon cooks 14.3 points per game on seven targets. Where are you at with cooks? 10. I mean, like he's, he's, you know, like one of the top two receivers on, uh, an offense that is prolific. Um, and that like, you know, routinely hits or comes very close to hitting each week. It's Vegas implied total, which is always high. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I want Brandon cooks all the time. So he's, he's an auto start for me. I don't even think about it. Yeah, I yeah, there, there's no question there. The next player, though, I think there would be a thought process here unless things radically change this evening. That's Alshon Jeffrey, 7.5 targets per game for around 13 um, point eight over the last six games. Yeah, um, I'll say six. Like, I think he has a, a decent uh, target floor. It's just there's not a lot of production that's coming along with it. Like he's pretty clearly behind Zach Ertz in the pecking order. And then, um, you know, I think one thing that might we'll just kind of have to see, like how Darren Sproles plays, like how much he's integrated into the offense. But like he's a significant receiving weapon. And if they use him the way that, you know, like a team's kind of have traditionally used Darren Sproles, um, you know, that's even just like fewer targets that Alshon Jeffrey is going to get. I can't believe that in 2018, heading into week 14, we're talking about Darren Sproles yeah. taking away Alshon Jeffrey's uh, production potentially. That's just crazy to me. Yep. Uh, Josh Gordon, 13.4 points around seven targets over the last six games. Mm, I'll say like nine. I mean, I'm and I'm probably biased. Like I really like Josh Gordon and uh, like I admire the Patriots even like I'm not a Patriots fan, but like, I like mm-hmm. how good they have been. Um, like Josh Gordon is now, if you look at like the, the half season worth of games he's played with the Patriots, 
um, while Edelman has been there. The pace is uh, like 11, uh, 1150 yards, six touchdowns. Like that's pretty good. Like that's not like Josh Gordon a half decade ago, but that's pretty good. Like that's the one you just automatically start. Yeah, I feel pretty good about Gordon too. Um, all right, Marvin Jones and then Kenny Galladay. Obviously, Jones is 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 no longer available, so that opens up a big opportunity for Galladay. Didn't have the best game yesterday, though. Yeah, uh, I'll put Galladay like in an eight or a nine. Like I think if you have him, you're probably starting him. He just has so much opportunity, and um, you know, I think in general, Detroit. Uh, it sounds as if their defense is horrible, but like I could see them being the type of team that will need to score points to win games. So um, I think Galladay will always have a chance to get his targets. Yeah, it's going to be hard to ignore the anticipated production that you can or opportunity that you can expect each week. So Galladay, I, I have up there pretty high as well. DJ Moore, 12.6 points over the last six games uh, is starting to really live up to that hype that we had for him at Rotoviz. Yeah, really like DJ Moore. Um, Obviously, he didn't have a good game this last week, only 44 yards. Um, But again, like one of those running, one of those wide receivers who's getting, you know, like running back type of carries, Um, you know, 21 yards as a rusher. And it's his third straight week to get uh, at least eight targets. Uh, And I think that will probably continue. Um, Obviously, unfortunate for Greg Olson that he got injured, but I think that mm-hmm. will probably result in even uh, you know more targets going to DJ Moore. And the return of Devin Funchess didn't really hurt uh, DJ Moore at all. Funchess is playing fewer snaps. So uh, I think Moore is pretty much locked in as the number one receiver. Let me rephrase that, wide receiver uh, in, in that offense. Obviously, he's going to lose opportunities to uh, McCaffrey. But uh, yeah, I, I like him. So I will say like, eight McCaffrey is absolutely crushing it by the way yeah it's just been it's been insane um Larry Fitzgerald 12.6 points despite playing with Josh Rosen yeah uh man that's unfortunate uh I'm gonna say four I I just I kind of don't have I don't have the faith in Fitz like he's just not getting the targets that offense isn't quite as good um yeah he's been kind of living on touchdowns recently and like I'm just not trusting that yeah, you, you can't be putting too much faith into Fitzgerald. Golden Tate, uh, again, another player that has the game going on tonight. We've talked about him a couple of times. I can't imagine that your opinion has much changed. You're probably at, what, like a two or a three? Maybe zero, a four. Zero. Zero. Okay. Zero. I mean, <laughs> like he's getting targets. And the thing is, like, um, uh, I think it was maybe Next Gen Stats. Uh, maybe, I don't know where they got this information, either from themselves or from PFF. But um, since he's been with the Eagles, he's been targeted on uh, like a league high percentage of his routes. So like they want to give him the ball. Um, they just aren't doing it very effectively. Right. So like, I, I want no part of him. Yeah. This, the utilization has been great. It just hasn't turned into anything. Right. Um, Unfortunately, I'm trotting him out there in a key matchup tonight, so I'm hoping that he's doing good as we record this. Not that anybody cares about my fantasy team, except for me. Uh, Let's talk streaming quarterbacks here for a couple of minutes. Uh, So I have the numbers for quarterback strength of schedule from weeks 14 through 16. Josh Rosen, (laughs) very favorable schedule, (laughs) but I don't think that we should be streaming him. No way. Absolutely not. Yes. Uh, Baltimore with... uh, nine they get kansas city in week 14 tampa bay in 15 lamar jackson hasn't been terrible yeah i mean if he's out there i doubt he's out there to be acquired like uh, you know i really? think yeah i think he's okay. he's rostered in most leagues okay well what about this josh allen has the 29th ranked detroit lions in week 15 and the 22nd ranked new england patriots in week 16 with the championship on the line are you trotting out the rushing mastermind that is josh allen yeah yes i i'm with you i'm with yeah, you he's he's konami code he's he's bad cam newton but you know like that's still good enough for fantasy and uh it, yep. i mean rushing production means a lot from from quarterbacks which is why you can't even think about starting uh josh rosen but you can go with Josh Allen because like his inclination is to run the ball and like he's got the build for it, you know, and he's, he's athletic. Um, yeah, I, I think you absolutely could go with Josh Allen. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier on in the season, how important that rushing is. It was one of the things that was making Trubisky a tremendous option. Obviously, you have a lot more opportunity and a lot better um, expectations through the passing game. But we've seen now enough games from Allen where he's doing things with his feet, racking up a lot of points because of them. And uh, he's kind of doing like a good Blake Bortles impression too of being an awful quarterback, but that's managing to be useful for fantasy. So with those matchups, if you're in a tough spot, I actually think that you can consider Allen. Oh, um, I, I love it. I should just say like, I love the the dichotomy of uh, actually really liking him for fantasy, uh, and, like specifically for the fantasy playoffs and, and thinking about him as like this trash quarterback who can actually put up points for you in this game. Uh, and then also like being totally right that this guy is a horrible real life quarterback. Like people should have seen this coming and like maybe he can develop into being like a a real quarterback but like he most certainly has not been a real quarterback through the first you know like 13 weeks of the season <laughs> yeah that's very true um Dak Prescott Philadelphia Indy Tampa Bay that is pretty darn favorable third best schedule uh we I asked you about Dak earlier on in the season with how things have gone with Cooper you feeling any better about streaming him yeah I think you can stream him uh I would rather have Allen um because like I think Allen has a much higher rushing floor um and I think like his ironically his uh passing ceiling isn't all that much worse than Dax Mm -hmm. um just because like the Cowboys play at such a slow pace uh they're really looking to funnel everything to Ezekiel Elliott um so yeah I mean I'm okay with Dak if you need him but um I prefer Josh Allen I can understand that. Um, I would have to think about that if I if I'm in that position. Maybe the the specifics of, of the situation, but I can definitely definitely understand where you're coming from there. Now we've talked about this before, but Matthew Stafford, who given the name recognition, you may want to think about playing. He has Arizona, Buffalo, Minnesota. He's unusable, and he probably shouldn't be getting used anyway. Thirty second being the most challenging upcoming schedule for the rest of the season if any quarterback. And he has just not been good this season. So you're with me, right? Don't even consider rolling out Stafford. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And that actually makes me think a little bit more about Galladay. Like maybe Galladay isn't quite as useful. Yeah, yeah, that could be true. I just feel though like, I don't know, it feels like they have to do, they have to have a some production that has to come from somewhere. So maybe it's Galladay, but maybe that takes the confidence level in Galladay down to like a six or a seven yeah. as opposed to an eight. Um, let me look other teams. Um, I don't think that there's really going to be many other quarterbacks that you'd necessarily want to target as a, as a couple week ad here yeah, that are going to give you production. Yeah, I um, agree. I think it's worth noting. Um, I'm looking at your, your yeah. uh, wonderful graphic here. Oh, thank uh, you. I think it's worth noting that, uh, new Orleans has a pretty favorable schedule, which I think, uh, you know, for Drew Brees could impact, you know, like, um, MVP voting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Pittsburgh has a really good uh, strength of schedule to close out the season, which uh, is going to make my Antonio Brown is falling off a cliff. A thesis look (laughs) uh, even, even worse (laughs) as the season closes. So yeah, we we have that to look forward to. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, I also want to note to San Francisco, very, very challenging upcoming schedule too. So you might want to avoid some of those streamers that you would use in that offense there, uh, be it at quarterback or at wide receiver. Uh, the final player I do want to ask though about uh, Marcus Mariota, very up, very tough upcoming schedule with Jacksonville, the Giants, and then Washington. I can see him being a name that people want to turn to. Obviously, if you're streaming quarterbacks, you don't have the strongest slate of players. But my question is, I think that Mariota is the type of guy we've seen be a reliable starter at other points in past seasons is your opinion of the 2018 Mariota different than those past seasons are you looking at him not necessarily as like an attractive option if you see the name is it really going to be more of that matchup which again for him aren't that that good yeah I'm not really I'm not interested in him at all and for like the evaluation of like uh how is he as an NFL player I don't know if we know any more now than we did in the two previous seasons like I think we're still kind of waiting to see what we see out of him uh in a more like regular offense maybe we're just never going to get that maybe he just kind of is what he is which is like um I don't know like a sort of non-developed college quarterback playing in the NFL 
honestly, I think with him and Jameis, we're getting what would have been the like right outcome to expect, which is just players that can play quarterback in the NFL. They're probably not the worst passer out there, but they're certainly not a franchise type of player. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing like we talked about with Winston, where we didn't see too much development from him. Uh, Mariota, I think it could be the offense holding him back. And I don't think that he's been helped out by the coaches that he's played under, but we just have not really seen him um, get better on a seasonal basis, which is disappointing. Um, So we talked about Josh Allen before I wanted to talk about him yesterday, the 135 yard performance, 28.7 points. Um, Again, it sounds like we are actually saying that if you're going to need quarterback help, you're considering streaming a player that you can go out and grab Josh Allen, who probably is still available. Yeah, I mean, I think he's yeah, if you're looking for streaming, I think he's probably the guy. This this is crazy. It's crazy. But um, I think that really is where we are. How good is Philip Lindsay, Matt? Uh, I think he's really good. Uh, I'm trying to trade for him in a dynasty league. Um, trading closes right before the playoff start. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just not sure if I want to pay the price for him. Like I still feel so it's, I'm really split on him. Um, before the NFL draft, uh, I thought like, okay, he's a talented guy who's not going to get a chance, you know, like, um, and he wasn't drafted, you know? And so like, I feel like, like that evaluation was correct. Like he has good production. He's a good receiver. He has good speed. He just doesn't have the build for it. And there was no draft hype. Uh, and I feel like that stuff still, that still informs my evaluation of him. So like, I'm still a little bit dubious as to whether or not he's going to get the long-term shot to be the lead back because they do have Royce Freeman there. Uh, they always have the opportunity to bring in someone else. Like all it takes is one injury for them to think like, oh, and injuries happen to running backs all the time, regardless of size. All it takes is one injury for them to look at this guy who's 180 pounds and be like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't give him 20 touches per game. Like let's scale it back to 10. And like when that happens, he's still a very good player, but he's he's like a flex at that point uh, in fantasy instead of being like a, a top 12 player at his position. I think that Lindsay is a tremendous football player. I mean, exceptional athlete. He's been awesome. Uh, there were signs that were pointing towards him. He's just far exceeded any realistic expectations that you could have had. Uh, but it is hard to look forward and really say this is the type of thing that we can expect to see season to season, or at least even in the next season, given all those things that you just yeah. mentioned. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, He's been awesome. I mean, I think for the rest of the season, they're going to let it ride and Absolutely, see what they yeah. have. And like, I should say, like, I hope he succeeds. Like, I love seeing him play, you know, like I love the story of, you know, like a guy who's undrafted. I love the story of a guy who's small, who is still a great player. Like, I, I love everything about him, his hair. Like, he's just like, he's great. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he's good for the NFL. Like, I he, hope yeah. I hope he has like a great career. Me too, because also he's one of those players, he really is fun to watch. Just watching him do what he does is one of the more fun things that I've seen this season. Yeah, like next-gen stats, um, they look at how like efficient a guy is based on like how like quote-unquote like north-south of a runner he is, but like how quickly he gets through the line, and he is uh, the fastest, like the most efficient north-south runner in the league, which like I think you see that when you play. Like he is just so fast through the line of scrimmage like so like he's fun to watch i love the stats like that too because it's one of those where you i i never would have expected that like uh before we actually got to see him go in the nfl and you got to absorb a couple of games but you can point to something like that being like no there really is something to uh you know what we're seeing with this guy's production yeah who is jeffrey wilson 19 points for san francisco yesterday nine targets eight wrecks I feel like if everybody I can turn to on this, Matt, you would be the only person that would be able to give me his his, his background. Uh, no, I can't. I can't give you his background, unfortunately. And I specifically decided not to look it up before the show uh, because I didn't want to seem fake. I, I don't even know what college he went to or how long he's been in the league. I know okay, nothing. Good. I know nothing about him except that I wish I would have picked him up last week. <laughs> that's That's all I know about him. 
I honestly, I, I know zero about Jeffrey Wilson. I was running my models for this week and I saw the name come up for him with like a pretty decent project projection. I was like, all right, something's wrong. Uh, and then I absorbed the game log from yesterday and I was like, wow, I, I really, uh, I, I'm so confused here. I have no idea who this man is. We're going to very quickly look this up. Apparently he went to North Texas and uh, he's six feet, 190 pounds. Um, I mean, this is how under the radar he is. If you yep. go to um, Roto World and you look at their yep. depth chart, he's not even on it. He's not even oh, on the wow. 49ers depth chart. Wow. Um, all right. So we re we can't really give you anything too useful on him here other than he played for the North Texas Mean Green. Uh, he committed in 2014 and was a two-star recruit out of Elkhart, Texas. Um, that, all is, right, so that is not useful information at all. <laughs> that is not useful. <laughs> that, is, that is the worst information we could give. Hold on. Uh, okay, so he was he was the lead back at UNT for his two final seasons. Um, actually, pretty productive seasons. Uh, decent as a receiver. Uh, twenty nine and twenty four receptions. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, like this is okay. So like UNT has like a history of like producing running backs who are actually like pretty productive. Um, and like maybe have like a little bit of a season in the NFL, like uh, Lance Dunbar was like a UNT oh, right, guy. Right. Yep. Um, so I don't know, like there's, there's some potential there, but I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get too excited about a guy who's under 200 pounds, you know, like I'm just, I'm not. Right. When I used to play a lot of, uh, this was like back in the early days of it, of uh, Daily Fantasy College, I would use Lance Dunbar a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was so awesome back in the day. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> All right. So before we close things out, Matt, uh, there's a bit of a backlash, but you don't think that Antonio <laughs> Brown is good anymore? What's this all about? Yeah, I think he's uh, pretty much the worst receiver who's ever played uh, in any any football league ever, and that includes soccer. Um, no, I, I don't know. So obviously I had uh, maybe too much of a clickbaity title um, for my piece that was Antonio Brown is falling off a cliff and no one cares. <laughs> I just I read that and it sounds ridiculous. But so the yeah. thing is, like, I felt I kind of had to go big on it or no one would pay attention. And I think it's actually right. a conversation worth having. Like, I think people are going to continue valuing him as if he's the number one wide receiver in the league. And he's probably the 10th best. And like, I think it's important for people to kind of realize this because like they're still going to value him in 2019 as if he's the best receiver in the league. And at that point, he might be like the 15th to 18th best. Like this, like this is like Jordy Nelson when people thought he was still good and it was basically all linked to his ability to score touchdowns. Um, right now, Antonio Brown leads the league in targets. Like that's great but he has uh, the ninth most receptions, the 11th most yards. Uh, he's number one in touchdowns, and that's because he leads the league in uh, targets to the end zone. But like what happens when that goes away? Like he's going to drop off precipitously, uh, just like uh, Marvin Harrison did like with the Colts, you know, because they have another really good wide receiver to throw the ball to. So there might be things they can do to sort of like manufacture production for him. But uh, even with the great game that he had uh, in week 13, which like fantastic game, like I should say, like I bet the over on his receiving props, like I was on board with him in, in a good spot as a home favorite. Um, but even with that great game, this is still the least efficient season of his career. Like from uh, like Josh Hermsmeyer uh, has the racer statistic. Uh, so like from his ability to turn uh, targets and air yards into receptions and yards after the catch and ultimately receiving yards, this is the least efficient season of his career. And uh, if you look at this from uh, like an adjusted yards per attempt perspective, um, Ben Roethlisberger's, targets to him are the least efficient they've been since uh, like at least 2013. But like if you look at sort of like the all pro Antonio era, like he was much better uh, previously than he has been this season. And like 
I don't think it makes sense. Like all of the explanations that are kind of like pro Antonio explanations. I don't know how much sense they really make. Like maybe, uh, the problem isn't him. Maybe it's Roethlisberger. But like, if you look at PFF data, Roethlisberger is just as accurate this season as he was last year and the year before. So then you basically have to say, okay, well, Roethlisberger is just as good. But when it comes to Antonio, the guy with whom he's had like the best connection ever, when it comes to him now, all of a sudden, uh, the connection isn't working as good. Uh, like maybe the new offensive coordinator has something to do with that. Like that's, that is probable that probably has something to do with it. Um, but it still doesn't account for it. And if the problem isn't Roethlisberger, and I think it would be weird to say the problem is a Roethlisberger when, uh, when all of his other passes to other receivers are fine. Uh, if the problem isn't Roethlisberger and the problem is like the connection between them, like maybe the problem has something to do with Antonio Brown. And, uh, I think it's like this weird situation where he literally is the least efficient pass catcher on his team, like outside of like James Washington, who doesn't have more than 25 targets. But if you look at like the, the two tight ends, the running back, uh, Juju, Ryan Switzer, even like Antonio Brown isn't as efficient on a per target basis as all of those players. And if you look at all of those players or their counterparts in previous seasons, um, like they are actually performing at an all time like high and Antonio is performing at an all time low. And so some, like some people said like, okay, well this means that he's been, and sorry, I'm, I'm like filibustering on this topic here, but like no, so, I love some it. people said like, okay, well he's being like double and triple covered. Like one, I don't, I don't think that's actually accurate. Like that doesn't like NFL doesn't really work that way. Maybe the defense shifts a little bit more that direction, but if he were literally being triple covered, the quarterback would throw somewhere else all the time, but Antonio leads yeah. the league in targets. So right. anyway, let, let's assume that he's not being triple covered. Uh, I would say, I don't think it's even likely. And I don't know if there is information through PFF or uh, SIS or whoever. Uh, I don't think it's even likely that he's being, uh, uh, that the defense is focusing on him more than they ever have. Because Juju is literally the best receiver uh, with whom Antonio Brown has ever played. And like I think defenses are understanding that they need to like focus on him just as much if as they're focusing on Antonio Brown. So like if anything, the presence of Juju should make the targets that Antonio Brown gets more efficient. But he's playing at like he's, he's more inefficient than he's ever been in his career. So, and, and like, that's not uncommon for a guy who's 30. So the, the big point being like, um, he's not falling off a cliff from a, uh, raw production standpoint because he's scoring so many touchdowns and getting so many targets, but eventually like inefficiency results in less volume. Uh, and at some point that is going to happen with Antonio Brown. And I think it's going to happen sooner than other people expect. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad that I'm, I'm, I think that, uh, well, it's funny too, because I believe the, uh, the critique that you got was that you did not provide many stats. So that was pretty dense with stats. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my, that, my whole piece is nothing but stats, right? <laughs> which, which you have to love if I, yeah, you can't take, I've learned a couple of things from doing all of this fantasy stuff. One thing is that it's impossible, uh, to please everybody. But the, the other bigger thing is that most people actually don't read very few yeah. people actually read. And, and um, here's, here's the thing. I, I was on the take cast with Davis Maddock, uh, earlier, uh, today yep. and we're recording this on Monday. So like I mentioned this with Davis, like this doesn't like, this is, I find this humorous. Like, it doesn't bother me that Antonio Brown had, like, an awesome game. Like, I like Antonio Brown. Like, I, I like that he's had a good career. I like what he did in college. I like how he projected to the NFL. Like, I, I like him. You know what I mean? So, like, none mm -hmm. of this really bothers me. And, like, you – I don't know. Like, I think it was sort of – it's maybe like an old-school road of his thing where you just kind of – like, I developed thick skin early on. So, like, I take, like, like perverse pleasure in, in people – like trashing me on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like that. It's, so it, yeah. it doesn't uh, like, it doesn't matter to me, you know? Right. Um, and ultimately like in, in some weird way, like I know that the, um, 
the more I get trolled by certain type of people, uh, the more convinced I become in the merit of my idea. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a negative right. indicator. If there's a certain type right. of person who's like, this is stupid. That's just another check mark in the column of like, you know what? I'm onto something. Yeah. And, um, well, yeah, given the, the command of the, the language and grammar that the, the person used in the email that you got, <laughs> oh, that was, I think it's pretty that was odd. That, that's my favorite thing. That was genius. And honestly, if the person later wrote back and was like, you know, I was screwing with you, like all of that was like, I'd be like, you know, like hats off to you. That was a great email. Yeah. (laughs) But um, we're we're almost out of time here. But I do want to say, I think, though, like it's definitely an interesting point because it was starting to feel to me earlier in the season. We're kind of at like a changing of the guard kind of point with the receivers. A lot of those big name guys are, are, you know, kind of getting replaced. Like, I think now we're going to see Devonte Adams, Michael Thomas, obviously Juju and some of these other names kind of become the leaderboard uh, moving forward. So it's always good to kind of assess those situations and, and be ahead of the curve on things like this and behind it. Yeah. I mean, here's a question. Do you think I'm right? And you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. It's totally fine. Just like sort of like, like gut reaction, like based on what I told you or whatever it is you watching tape or you looking at yeah. numbers. What do you think? I, I think that, um, if we're looking at Antonio Brown in context of Antonio Brown and comparing him to the Antonio Brown of the past, no, I definitely think that, that you're on to something there and you've made a lot of good points. Now, when you say Antonio Brown isn't good, well, obviously that's not the case. I still think, you know, yeah. he's a tactician and there's a lot of things he can do really well. But if we're talking about a player that I think at one point it was very hard to make an argument against him not being the best player in the league. I don't know if we're at that. I still think he's probably like a top eight, top six kind of guy, but ultimately like the spirit of your piece holds, uh, you know, and everything that went with it makes sense. So like, especially I think it's relevant because heading into next season, you know, he probably isn't the best receiver in the league. He could be, but it's not looking like he is anymore. Now, if you said, you know, he's not a top 20 wide receiver, I would say you're crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But I don't think that, yeah. you, you know, there's definitely merits to, to, to your piece. And I think that it's, it's a good point. So uh, I might not be as strongly against him as you are, but yeah, it's certainly valid. Yeah. All right. Uh, I had a great question for you, Matt, but we've covered enough football topics today that we're going to save it to the next week, but I'm going to tell it to you so that we can actually go out and have you ask your wife this question. I want to know what's the one thing you do that most frustrates your wife. Like what's the biggest pet peeve that she has or something stupid that you do? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't need time. I can answer that. I make jokes out of everything. Okay. You make jokes. I, yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we don't even have to cover that more. So we got that one out of the way. I'll have to think of one for next week. Okay. Uh, But that's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle and just crush on Twitter as Antonio closes out the season strong. This has been Rotoviz Radio. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and be sure to tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.
Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.